Welcome to the Photography Q&A podcast. Hey, how's it going? I'm Andy Jones and this is episode 28 of the Photography Q&A podcast. So last week we did the start of the Witch Business series and we did headshots. This week I'm going to do weddings. It seems that everyone out there doing family portraits wants to get into shooting weddings. And it seems like the the next step in the ladder sort of thing. But it's really not for everyone. But everyone seems to want to try to do it. Anyway, so I started out shooting sports and then I got into a few family portraits, shooting my own kids and that kind of thing. When I thought about weddings, it was the money that enticed me. Back then, I wasn't charging much for my work, very little in fact, and a $1,000 wedding really enticed me. It really got me. That was like, it, it just seemed so easy. So my first year, I offered two prices. I went wild. $750 for six hours and $1,000 for eight. That year I booked seven weddings and I only started trying to get weddings sort of February, which is very late. I booked seven weddings at $750 and none, absolute zero at $1,000. So the plan didn't work. I ended up with $750 instead of 1000 Those weddings were really easy. I'd take the book in, meet with them two to three weeks before the big day to plan it all out, shoot the wedding and deliver the digital files two weeks later. All done and dusted. Really simple. Then I raised my prices over the next two years. I started off offering albums and print packages and the amount of time that I had to spend with the customers at least quadrupled. At least. It was probably way more. And to be honest with you, it took all the fun out of it. I was spending more time meeting with people, discussing albums, discussing frame prints. It just took every little bit of fun out of it. Shooting for me was getting the camera in your hand and shooting, not doing all the, the side stuff. And it really it blew it out of the water for me a little bit. Even though I was getting $2,500 plus, the amount of time I put into a wedding was crazy. When you're doing pricing for weddings, just make sure that you cover everything. If you think it's going to take two hours of meetings, make it four or five. So make sure you add a lot of hours on when you're figuring out what the pricing should be. And you're going to be amazed. It's not just turn up, take the pictures, give them them. It's just not that easy. It really does take a certain type of person to enjoy doing weddings. And I really wasn't one of them. I did have some fun. I always tried to get the wedding party to do a jump shot. I used to like doing stupid shots. A lot of them didn't like that. Some of the brides just were totally against it. It wasn't their sort of thing, but majority did. And uh, we used to get the full wedding party doing a jump shot. The bride and groom just doing a jump shot. Just the girls, whatever. If they were to do it, I'd do it. This did backfire once. It really backfired in a big way. The wedding party was Scottish and the guys were wearing kilts. And you're probably guessing where this is going. Anyway, there are some things you can't unsee in life and that was one of them. It was lots of fun and it was disturbing all at the same time. Anyway, let's move on to equipment. Now, I've always said in other posts I've made on other podcasts, a pro photographer should always carry a backup body. A lot carry two, one on the shoulder, one they're using, and then a spare body in the bag. So that would be three. But if you're just starting out, two bodies are fine. If one dies, you can always just you can get on with one of them. You, you shouldn't have a problem. Weddings are the biggest reason why you should have two bodies. This is a really big day for the couple and the family. 
and you only get one go at it. Just delaying something 30 minutes while you run to a camera shop to get something screws a whole wedding up because every minute of every hour is taken is taken up. You don't have free time during a wedding. Now, the other thing I advise is that your second body is the same as your first body. You need the same type because... Well, first thing, if you're going to put lenses on both of the bodies, you want it to be automatic. You don't want to be fiddling around with the settings because camera A has the buttons in a different spot to camera B. You want the same if you can. If you can't, well, you'll have to figure it out, but it's best to have the same camera bodies. Your lenses need to be professional in quality. Whether you use zooms or primes, they need to give sharp images. When you zoom in 100% on an image and it's crystal clear, that is a sharp image. When you zoom in on a cheap lens image, it's not going to be sharp. It might be, but chances are it won't. And that is the telltale, that zoom in to 100%. If you shoot zooms, then the 24mm to 70mm 2.8 lens is going to be your workhorse. It covers most of what you need in a wedding. I used to carry the 24 to 70 a 70 to 200 2.8 and a 50 millimeter 1.4 lens. Now the 1.4 was for shooting indoors because I hadn't got around to learning how to use flash and shooting available light is is pretty cool. You get some nice effects, but in a wedding, people want to see faces, they want to see smiles, the laughter. You can't do that all the time if your pictures are grainy and yeah, it's, you need to learn how to use a flash. So anyway, when, once I did get a flash, the 51.4 hardly got used at weddings because I was just using the 20 24 to 70 most of the time with a flash on it once I got inside and outside too I'd be using it as fill flash sometimes now if you use primes like fixed focal length lenses you could use a 24 a 35 a 50 and an 85 most people go down to three lenses you'd probably use a 24 for your wide and then maybe lose either the 35 or the 50 millimeter the 85 is going to be your your main one but the big thing with the uh, primes is you're going to be changing lenses every time you need a different focal length. Like you could have two bodies, uh, one a 35, one an 85. Now, one thing, if you're going to use two camera bodies at the same time, one on your shoulder, one shooting, before you go out and take your first picture, you can fix this in Photoshop and, well, not Photoshop, in Lightroom, sorry. And some other programs will allow you to change the timing on a picture. But the simplest way to do it, before you go out shooting... You put both your cameras on your lap and you change the date and time to be exactly the same. That way you can load cards from each camera and it will put them automatically in order of the time that they were shot. If you've got it off a little bit, it gets very confusing. And I've done that as well. Prime lenses offer a, a super sharp image and they weigh less than zooms, an awful lot less than zooms. So your back and your feet will thank you at the end of a wedding. I've carried my zooms around with, with 1D camera bodies 1d mark fours and it's an awful lot of weight it really does a number on your back so think about using smaller camera body a lot of people nowadays well they're all moving uh, mirrorless now but a 5d uh, without the grip on it is a small body with prime lenses there's no weight to them it's a lot easier it takes a lot of the hard work out of it all right so next you need to check out the church and the venue or if it's not a church, 
the hall or if it's outside, you do need to look at it. Now, I have turned up at some that were a long way from home and just winged it and it works. You'll, you'll do it, but it makes life a lot easier and takes the panic out of it. If you visit the place you're going to be shooting, you need to get to know all the reception venues in your area. Like, just make a list of them and go out there. And if, you know, on a, a Sunday morning when the cleaners are in, just say, can I have a walk around? I'm a photographer. I just want to check the place out. And you, you'll get to figure out where you're going to shoot from if you had a wedding there. The best spots, some good spots outside where you can get pictures. Churches, definitely. There's some churches around here that I've shot at that have a huge wall of stained glass. And at, the, at noon, when the wedding was going to be on, the light was so strong through those windows... I had to shoot from the side with all the glass to make sure that the light came over my shoulder. Otherwise, everything would have had little coloured, little flecks going through the images. So just check it first and make your wedding day a lot easier. Well, not your wedding day, their wedding day and your shooting day a lot easier. Okay, so getting bookings, getting uh, new customers. Your website is your hub for your business. All ads marketing should send potential customers to your website. Make sure that your portfolio is current and shows what you want to sell. Don't show photos of church weddings if you only want to book outdoor weddings. I, I used to know a guy that specialised in outdoor weddings and he did a great job. You never saw any pictures of church weddings on his website and he stressed what he wanted. Set up a mailing list through your website so that people can sign in for the latest uh, info, any discounts you're offering, whatever you can do to get them to sign up, do it and stay in contact with all the people that sign up. You need to be in contact with all your visitors. All right, next we've got Google My Business and Google Ads. Google My Business will put you at the top of the uh, search page for wedding photographers in your area, if that's the information you put in. It's free, and it's the easiest way to get bookings. It really is that easy. You can also pay to put your listing at the top of the Google search results. I would use these ads, Google ads, before I would use Facebook ads. If you're going to promote yourself on Google and pay for it, you guarantee you're going to be at the top. Next, Facebook groups and ads. If you join Facebook groups related to weddings in your area, give lots of free advice. Don't try to sell. Don't say, oh, by the way, guys, I've got a special on. Don't do that. Make sure that they all know that you're a wedding photographer. Post images of your latest weddings instead of asking for bookings. Just make sure you've got links that go back to your website. Facebook ads can be really costly, depending on what the competition is in your area. Start with a small budget and see how many bookings you get. I did it many years ago. I think I spent $100 and I got I actually got one $2,500 wedding out of it. I tried it since, put more money in, thinking I was going to get, you know, even if you get one, it pays for itself pretty quick. I put a lot more money in. Can't remember exactly what it was, but it was way more than 100 and I got zip. Now, it's really dependent on your wording, how you word. I'm not an expert in that, but if I was going to get into Facebook ads, I would definitely do a course on it just to understand and so I don't waste any money. Okay, wedding events. I've done a few wedding vendor events, didn't get many bookings from them. They're very expensive. I think the cheapest one I ever did was $600 for an afternoon one. I paid a couple of grand for one, total waste of time. Like putting a, a few 8x10 prints on a table won't do it. You have to, you have to have a booth made properly, meaning the walls around your booth need to be printed with your images, your wedding images. The first one I did, I was just starting out and I turned up, I had some 
images that had done, like I'd done a couple of weddings at this point. I had some nice images. I did some 11 by 14 frame prints. I had those. I had uh, a book that I'd made for someone and an album. And the guy, big one that was in town, who was, I was trying to get weddings at 2000 for my cheapest. He had a starting price of five and a half. His booth was incredible. He took really nice pictures, really nice work. His images were the walls, basically. And he just had a lineup of people wanting cards and stuff. And I had, you know, crickets. People want to spend a lot of money on the wedding. They expect to spend a lot of money on the wedding. So try to keep abreast of who you're up against. Like, I changed everything once I saw this guy doing it. I had uh, a couple of huge posters made and I didn't go as far as him because he was just the the cost of his booth must have been 10 grand at least at the time anyway so wedding events like they've disappeared because we've gone through the pandemic but I'm sure in the next year they're going to be all opening up again just be careful how much you're going to spend on this because it might not come back to you I would concentrate on google ads website facebook groups you could get out of your depth pretty quick in with wedding events all right, so promoting venues and vendors. If you promote other vendors like DJs, videographers, caterers, stages, officiants, and the company that made the cake, supply them with photos free of charge for their website. Just ask them to give you credit. You'll be able to give them professional images of them doing their work. The cakes, there's some incredible ones. You get some nice pictures of cakes and send them back to these people. They'll love you. And anytime anyone comes in, and says, oh, we want a cake for our wedding. Do you know any good photographers? You give them a stack of cards, they'll push you first. So promote them and they'll help you. For venues, write reviews on your website. If you shoot at a venue, do a review on it. Be critical of it. Don't be, you know, too nice. Be a little bit critical, but not too much. And try and sell it. And once you know how many people are coming to your website and reading these reviews, you can then go to these places and say, listen, I'm getting 100 brides a month, and in January, we're getting close to 1,000. Can I be one of your preferred photographers? And a lot of these places do a package with the photographer or the videographer where you offer it slightly cheaper, and they offer their services if you book the two together. You can make an awful lot of bookings by looking after the venues. The other side of this is if you do reviews of all the venues in your area and they come up on the first page of Google when people do a search, the fact you've got all these people going on your website is going to get you a lot more bookings anyway. You're taking these nice pictures. They're going to like your work. They're going to check you out. So it's not a bad thing to do. Promote vendors and venues. Now, the bit I don't like is wedding photography contract. Now, this is crucial. You need a contract to protect yourself and to protect the client as well. A contract should answer at least the following questions. What are you required to deliver to the customer? Which plan and how many hours they choose? You write that down. Who is responsible for mistakes, accidents and oversights? Now, that could be someone spills a a drink on your camera or someone kicks your camera bag and breaks something in it, or you knock something over and break it. You've got to define who is responsible and who will pay. The next thing you need is how much are they going to pay? Uh, How much will the deposit be? How much will the balance be? And when is it due? Next one is who owns copyright of the images, which is you, but you have to state that. 
What happens if the wedding is cancelled at the last minute? Uh, how much do they owe you? What amount of time is acceptable? Like if it's the last minute, you booked a day, you could have took someone else's wedding they might be liable for the full amount. Can your clients license your photographs to a third party? Meaning, say if the groom suddenly became famous, he got to the Olympics and he wanted to use his your image to promote himself. Well, you can say that he has the right to do it with your permission and as long as you are paid for use of that image. Another one, a model release. We spoke about this a few weeks ago. You can put on your contract that they have to sign against saying, yes, you can use their images on your website. Most people are okay with that. And something as simple as this, do you need a meal? If you want to be fed, like I've done some, I did a 12-hour wedding once and they didn't feed me. The bride came up and said, oh, I have, sorry, I forgot to get a meal for you. Uh, okay. So I nipped out, <laughs> I got in the car, went away, came back 20 minutes later. I got myself some food and I carried on shooting. Like if they weren't going to feed me, I had to go get some myself. They were okay with it. It was their mistake. But you got to write down if you want things, write it down in the agreement. You can put these agreements together yourself. I'm not qualified to give you any advice on this, so I'm not going to. I'm just telling you, you know, what's out there, what you can do. If you're worried, get in touch with a legal specialist and make sure that all these contracts are legally binding. Because if someone gives you a deposit, you have no contract, you say to them, it's a non-returnable deposit. It might be $1,000 for a $2,000 wedding. They don't have the wedding, they cancel it, they take you to court for it. If you don't have a contract, you've got to give them the money back more than likely. And you've had the cost of going to court. So make sure all these things are legally binding. Next, we've got pricing. Now, most wedding photographers sell packages like bronze, silver, gold, or they get fancy and they go silver, gold, platinum, you know. As I've said before, you're limiting how much your customer can spend. You could do an a la carte menu, have a cost per hour, and everything else can be picked from a menu. Although this is easier said than done if everybody in your area is selling packages. The customers expect to see that. They want to see how much they're going to spend a lot of them. Maybe you could try just one package and lots of other menu options. It's up to you. Give it a go. The problem with trying these things out, if you try it out and it doesn't work, you've just lost a heck of a lot of bookings for the next year and you're not going to have the money coming in. So maybe give two options. They can buy a package and then there's another menu with lots of other different add-ons that they can add on that are not in that package. But whatever you do, don't add too many products into your package. Now I've done this. Uh, I did a package that I thought was great value and I put in uh, an 11 by 14 lay flat book. All the images uh, printed as a 6 by 4 All the digital files, I just went on and on and... You're just screwing yourself, basically. You do as do as little products in your package as possible and make people pay for them extra. Also, make sure your digital files are priced high. Shoot and burn photography doesn't pay, unless you charge an awful lot of money for it. Say only offer digital files as an option if the total cost is over $2,500, something like that. You don't want to just give your files away. I've done it. I did that for years, and it's just it's pointless you're missing the potential earnings so if they're gonna get them make them pay for them okay if i was gonna start doing weddings again which i'm not i would do three packages based on time only so i would do like a three hour one no one would probably pick that one there'd be a six hour one in the middle and then an eight hour and then if they want to do 10 or 12 hours you charge per extra hour i'd have all the prints frame prints canvases books albums and digital files as add-ons to those packages so they can 
make them up as they go. Don't underprice yourself. I can't tell you how many times during a wedding I've been stood around and had the videographers there and I'd say, so what do you guys charge? And it was always twice as much as I'd charged. And it's just, oh, it's just, it's not a good feeling. It really isn't. Get bookings because your images are great, not because you're cheap. Try and stay within 10% of someone that you think is equal or slightly better than you. Keep your prices in their range. So always take a 50% deposit when they book. Non-returnable because they book that date and you're holding on to it. It could be returnable, say, if it's six months before a wedding. So I, I'm just putting that out there. So it give, if you can give it back, you can still advertise that spot. But yeah, 50% deposit and the balance needs to be paid before you start working on those images. I've had a couple of grooms insist I give them the images before they pay. They said, I want to see them before I'm paying you. So once they knew that I wouldn't even touch the images until they pay, they quickly sent me a balance. In fact, one of them, the bride called me and just out, just off hand, she said, oh, by the way, when are my images going to be ready? I said, well, talk to your husband. He tried to get me to finish them before he paid. So I said, I'm not starting them. I said, I've got two other weddings since then. They're in front of you. If you, you know, if you don't pay, it'll just keep going on and on. I'm not doing any work until I get paid. And uh, I got payment the day after, which was quite funny. I can only imagine that conversation. Make sure in your contract that you mention this and put a fee on bounce checks. I've had bounce checks before and banks for commercial accounts charge a bit of money for it. Although I think you should only accept direct e-payments nowadays. Um, there's no reason to be messing around with checks anymore. It's old school. Yeah, just get in touch with Square or PayPal and they'll send you a card reader so you can take payments through your phone or pad. You can also take payments through your website using Stripe and PayPal. They charge, um, I don't know, three and a half percent, I think, for taking them through there. They're all going to charge you something. All credit card payment companies are going to charge you. But yeah, you can do it through your website or you can do it in person. Or you can PayPal, you can send a, an invoice through them. There's lots of ways of doing it. You don't need to take checks like I used to. All right, so let's do a conclusion here. Shooting a wedding for a full day is really tiring work. But it can be really rewarding. You can get some really cool pictures, meet some nice people. So one thing about wedding photography, you need to be thinking fast. And you need to know how your camera works in all situations. You can't turn up with a cheap lens. Well, you can turn up with a cheap lens and use it in auto. The pictures will be average to bad. Um, and hopefully you're not charging any money for it. But you need, if you're going to do weddings, you need to gear up and spend some money. You will earn the money back, though. That is one thing. If you're good at it, you'll earn the money back. If you are on Facebook or any other forum and you're asking questions like, what settings should I use for a wedding? You're not ready. Don't do it. Don't even consider it. Once you know how to use your camera, move forward. Don't hurt someone on the wedding day with absolute screw-ups. So. All right, so I'll uh, talk to you next week. Have a good one. Bye.